Welcome to Soul Essence Wellness Center's podcast, a podcast to help you connect with your highest self that features episodes combining psychology, spirituality, and energy healing. Please welcome your host, Xandra Haas, a spiritual wellness coach, psychotherapist, and psychic medium in Boulder, Colorado. Thank you so much for tuning into my podcast this week. And if you're a person that's been listening along to Soul Essence Center's podcast, a long break I have taken. So it's good to reconnect with you. Good to connect on so many new topics that I've been cooking up based off of my own learning experience here. Some of you that may have been listeners know that I really, really try to speak from the heart on these podcasts. I really try to really open and really show you different perspectives that I really feel that are valuable or things that I notice people I'm working with or trends that are just kind of enveloping us, trying to kind of keep our spirits high in this interim, this big kind of season of change that's upon us. So today we're going to be looking at living life as a ritual. And I really even love that sentence, living life as a ritual. Because I often think, especially when we're kind of moving into spiritual journey, there's this sense of how do I live in deeper, more meaningful ways? But the idea of ritual tends to sort of be separate from our normal life. There's almost this concept that we we wake up, we have to get ready, we go do our human things, and then the ritual is something that we do at home, right? Or something kind of we squish in between, this kind of moments of spirituality or pause or deep connection or things like that. And I think ritual can really start off in that particular way, but as you sort of weave and go through life and start realizing that you miss a lot, um, if you don't slow down a little bit more often. If you don't actually take in the present moment, you end up looking back years later and going, whoa, I wish I was really present then. I don't know if you have that. I was sitting in the kitchen the other day. My partner and I were making waffles. It's a something we love to do on the weekend when we get to sleep in. And I was sort of asking him and said, are there points where you look back and you wished you had just known that things were going to be okay and that you could have slowed down and really appreciated or not pushed so hard. And he said, yeah, absolutely. You know, and talked about his examples. And he said, what about you? And I have more moments in my life where I look back and I think about a time that I really loved, but there's always this undercurrent of energy of trying to push or this fear about not going fast enough or not getting things done. I, um, sometimes when I'm working with folks, I call it kind of the mirage of the mountain, like the top of the mountain. There's this kind of idea. I don't know if you have this too, where you have this big old list and it's like, I'm going to be happy when I get to the end of this list, right? Or I get to do the ritual or the kind things or the nice things to my, for myself when this list is done. But it's not actually real. The list never actually ends. Just like this idea of like climbing the mountain, you get to the top right? And you just get to like appreciate very, very few people actually get to hang out at the top of the mountain and no responsibilities just appear from that place. So I kind of call it the mirage of the top of the mountain. We have this kind of saving this sweetness or saving this ease or this rest or this kind of spiritual practices or these easeful things. It's like, well, I don't have time for those things. And so I can't do the ritual, right? I can't do the living life in this spirited, soft, um, 
And not that spirit has to be soft. That's how, that's my journey is <laughs> softening with spirit. But it, it's this constant putting it off until later, but it's a mirage, right? It's not actually real. So this particular podcast is like, how do you live your life as a ritual, right? Without this concept of not having enough time. And the idea of ritual can be kind of glamorized in a way, right? Around doing a ritual or a ceremony or a meditation, right? Basically a space where you're really tuning into yourself. Ritual to me, in a way, means really coming home. And home with a capital H. Home meaning the self. Coming home to that soulfulness, that energy inside of you. And realizing how deeply connected it is to everything else around you. And that's kind of what ritual does. It creates a sacredness. It creates kind of a pause where we go, oh, there I am. And there everything else is. And a lot of times in that sacred pause or in that ritual, there's a deeper connection and we feel more at home, right? This capital H, this trust, this authenticness, this confidence, this rootedness. So how does one live their life as a ritual, right? And so I'm going to give you a few examples, something for you to kind of play with here, something for you to think about in your own life. If I were to live in more of a ritualistic way, what does that even look like, right? So for instance, My partner and I talk a lot about these things because we're both super busy people, super have our own businesses, entrepreneurs, right? So if you're an entrepreneur, my heart's with you (laughs) around all the never-ending tasks, right? All of these things that we have to do. But a lot of times, even though there might be things that have to get done on the list, there's different energies, different kind of rituals that we can bring to these pieces that bring a lot more love, that bring a lot more energy to the space that can make us feel a lot better about the things that we're saying yes to, right? So for instance, my partner and I, we have this lovely, lovely, very hyper (laughs) German Shepherd Husky, what we think, we did the whole embark test thing, so we'll see what comes back in a couple weeks here, but she has a lot of needs, and the second we wake up, right, there's just like this outside, outside, energy, outside, outside, so in order for him and I to really wake up and start our days, we actually have to start our alarm about 30 minutes earlier, and that's when this, you know, kind of crescendoing bird, jungle, you know, kind of forest (laughs) thing goes off, and that's kind of the signal for him and I to both go, oh, okay, like we've got about a half an hour, And for some reason, this little alarm that goes off doesn't wake the dog. She just keeps laying there. So it's really awesome. (laughs) So him and I both start running our energy and both him and I are really, really deep in doing energy work and breathing practices and things like that. So we're both like, whew, okay, how did the dream world go? How do I set my space for this day? How do I set my mood? How do I really kind of come back into my heart space and breathe and say like, I'm here now? Right? For me, a, a big, big medicine is reminding myself that I'm a soul. I'm like, oh my gosh, did I forget I'm a soul again? Did I just get stressed and like forget that I have this soulfulness, that I have this deep, loving connection inside of me? I think I just disconnected for that. How do I come back into that? And so my process in the morning personally is kind of lifting myself out of dream world, seeing if there's anything I can learn from it, any energy that I'm feeling. And then I start grounding out my energy. I start connecting in with Mother Earth. I start really connecting in with my guides, really opening up that intention. And you don't have to know who your guides are. You don't have to have this deep connection to Mother Earth. That really grows with time. But just making that connection in yourself and saying, I would love to really be more connection connected with nature today. I would love, I'm kind of opening my arms. There's an invitation 
to invite guides, to invite spirits, to invite angels, whatever your belief system in to really support me, maybe friends, maybe ancestors, you know, whatever that might be, but you open yourself up immediately. So right away you're saying there's a bigger part of me that's going to live today. It's not just this person that feels like I kind of have to slave away and get things done. You're opening and saying there's more here, right? So you're kind of opening your field and saying, I'm going to connect in with earth where I live. You're connecting in with that home, that heart space. Sometimes I like to put my hands on my heart and I really love to do deep breathing in the morning. And there's this, you know, huge, huge kind of push around mindfulness and meditation and breathing. And I'm a big fan of really kind of deep, like oceanic breaths, right? So you're like, you hear it? It's kind of like an ocean a little bit in a way. And I really love doing that because sometimes, and this is a little silly, my thoughts are so loud sometimes that if I have to do loud (laughs) breathing, I call it breathing over thoughts. (laughs) And I'm thinking about doing a podcast on that one too. But I have to take these big breaths that kind of, It just helps me go, okay, I'm breathing, I'm here, I'm bringing myself back. And I start doing some of those breaths. I start breathing, right? I start really coming into my center. So right away, I'm kind of shifting my energy field, right? We all have an electromagnetic field. We give off energy. Our bodies are constantly doing that. So you're switching your frequency. You're literally switching how fast you're breathing, how things are moving in your body, right? You're opening your heart. You know, there's a lot of scientific studies that talk about people's bodies literally shifting frequencies when they start thinking about something with gratitude. Their brain literally changes, you know? This is neuroscience, y'all. This isn't just my, like, you know, breathe real deep and things will be great, you know? (laughs) So it's like, that's a ritual, right? In the morning, there's this sense of like, whew, but that's a really big pause. Some people might be like, you know, Xander, I don't have 30 minutes. I've got seven children, right? Or like, I'm taking care of an elder, right? Or maybe I have to be to work by 6 a.m. and I, there's no way I can wake up 30 minutes earlier. Great. Hang in here with me, okay? So another example is I really consider driving to be one of my greatest teachers. And again, thinking about doing a podcast on this as well. But driving, I learn so much. I learn so, so, so much about how to be a kind person and to not take things personally. One of the biggest tools that I think in this world, in this reality, in this life for me is to realize that most of the things that people do are about them. It's not really about us. It doesn't mean we don't take radical responsibility for what we do or the mistakes we make, right? Or what we fail at. Those are good lessons for us. But driving, you really see people's energy. You really see how to not take what's happening in people's lives or their perceptions personally someone cuts you off you're like huh okay you know something in them wasn't really planning well right or there's maybe some entitlement they're working on or maybe they have a hard time taking up space right so they they're trying to get over and you know they quick come over and you're like whew like it's not really about you right it's not about your driving but you get to choose your response and that's where the power is right? Ooh, okay. How do I want to try to not over control the situation? And how do I want to respond in like a really powerful way? To me, that's a ritual. To me, that's a way of holding, right? That capital H, that home energy in the self and saying, whew, how do I stay in my center? How do I not take this personally? And is there a way here that I can actually go farther into compassion? So, One thing I've never talked about, especially in the empath series, is that as you're working to become more and more of an empowered empath, 
once you start recognizing your energy and the impact and really not taking other people's energy on, empaths have a really amazing ability to heal themselves faster. Most empaths, right, they have deep, deep empathy for everyone and everything, and that can feel really overwhelming until you learn how to not take it on. And the beautiful thing is, is that if you're an empath, right, if you can picture this here, I'll I'll raise my hand as the example empath in this, but if you're an empath and you're driving your vehicle, right, you're going to work, you're on the highway and you get on the highway and you're like, oh my goodness, like it's 8am and like there's people everywhere. There's people speeding up the left lane. You know, there's a moving truck that's going really slow and people are upset trying to get around this, this moving truck, right? There's, you know, a car that looks like maybe you're like, Ooh, is that tire? Okay. (laughs) Right. You're like, Ooh, do I be around that car? There's all these different things happening on the road. Okay. And then perhaps as you're trying to figure out how to like get around someone, well, someone just like speeds up, right? speeds up the left lane and they're clearly going way too fast for the car in front of them and you're like oh wow they're gonna try to cut over into the right lane right in front of me I can tell they're gonna try to do that and that's that's that moment right where you can feel some people are gonna speed up right because there's like oh you're gonna try to get in front of me some people are gonna slow down maybe out of fear right or out of avoidance and so you sit in there and you go huh I don't know what this person's dealing with, but clearly they're trying to get somewhere really fast, right? Whether they're having fun, whether it's an emergency, right? Whether there's anger, we don't really know and we don't have to project that on them. But whenever that happens, I'm like, huh, as an empath, I actually have a choice not only to not take this on, but I actually have the option to be kinder. I actually have the opportunity to hold a neutral sense of care and compassion and hoping that person gets what they need for the day, right? Because driving aggressively or driving really fast way over a speed limit, that's a sign for me if someone's not really getting what they need in a way, I'm like, oh, they're trying to get something in their life, whether that's energy or speed or fun or play. If someone's like kind of taking a lot of energy on the road, they're needing something, right? And I'm just like, wow, I hope you get what you need. I hope you don't endanger anyone. I hope you have some fun. I hope you learn something, but I really hope you get what you need. And I send kind of a soul hello, right? I kind of put my hand on my heart and I'm like, you know, please be safe. I hope you get what you need. And for me, that's a ritual. That's a sweet way that I'm taking, right? All these things in my life that are teachers and I'm neutralizing them and I'm sending love and care and compassion. And a lot of times rituals, that's what they're meant to do. They're meant to connect us in with our bigger heart, our bigger connection to things, to really feel our interconnectedness, our soulfulness, right? So as a person driving on the road, I'm practicing that all the time. And the, the amazing part when I'm on the road is whenever I get really judgy about something someone does, almost oh my gosh, almost verbatim, like within a week, even like two weeks, I'll find I did the exact same thing on accident, right? Someone will cut me off and I'll, you know, I'll be upset about it. And then like something will happen where I'll be driving and trying to get somewhere, you know, and I end up like going over in a lane and someone else is trying to get in that same lane and I cut them off and I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're so human, right? We hold ourselves to really high standards and we also make mistakes. So why are we so mean to other people and yet our mistakes, right? We can't just be forgiving to all. So it's a couple of different examples of rituals. Another one that I have that I love, love, love to pieces, and it's a really, really simple one, 
that I love doing, and I'm going to do a bigger thing on this as well, perhaps, but I do a really beautiful ritual with food. And anyone that knows me personally knows that food has been such a massive journey for me. It's just been huge to go from you know, having this really, really small diet of basically gas station food as a child, um, going to the space I am now where there's so much emphasis on supporting local farmers and growing our own food and learning where things come from and supporting local economy. Like it's just, I love that I have a partnership where we're both really on board with those things. So it's, it's a practice that we have in general to put that care out into the world. But I've also had a lot of digestion pieces a lot, and that seems to be an overlap for people that are sensitive or empathic. It's not only processing energy around you in your space, but also in your digestion, almost like we harden, right? Like when we don't feel safe, we kind of clench our organs in a way, and it literally doesn't cause our body to have ease, right? Energy doesn't flow through, like we don't digest things as easily, literally. And so one thing I've been really practicing that weirdly enough has been making a massive difference in the way that I digest food is, so my partner and I, again, cooking and and food is a big practice, but we end up cooking together and we sit down at our sweet little table and we light candle and both of us will take turns either saying something or sometimes we just give a big breath and a thank you to the food, but I take my hands and I put them together above my heart, right? Kind of like in a prayer position. And then I open my hands and I have my hands, my palms facing downward. And I just imagine almost like I could paint the food in love, right? Almost just as if there's this like mist or this light or this glow. And I put my hands right over the food. I have my eyes closed and we thank as many people as we can that put time and effort and love into getting that food to our space. You know, so for instance, yesterday we had some quinoa vegetable and we put our hands over it and we thanked the farmer, right? The person who got the seeds to the farmer, right? We thank all the elements, the person who picked up, the person who picked these vegetables, the person that processed them at the store, the person who made them look nice, right? The grocery store that's doing it, every single person, the fossil fuels it took, right? It's not like we sit there for 20 minutes and we name everyone, but we put a thank you to everyone who brought this energy, this love, this care, this food to our plate. Thank you so much for your time and your energy and your effort. And thank you so much to the actual plants or meat or whatever is on our plate. Thank you so much for allowing our bodies to grow and to be nourished. And then we say, please ground out any toxins that have gotten in along the way. Please send healing energy back to the land where this came from so that it has the minerals and the nutrients to keep feeding the world with such abundance. Right? We say something and it's not this perfect thing. You know, Sometimes we're giggling, sometimes it's on the fly, but it's taking this moment and really being aware of how many people sweat, blood, and tears, and energy, and love, and struggle went into getting this food to your plate. Even the people that decided to make the recipe, right? I'm a tend to eat gluten-free a lot, and the fact that I can pick up easy gluten-free bread, (laughs) I'm just like, thank you. Thank you to whoever created this, right? If I can find dairy-free, gluten-free brownies, I'm like, oh my god, thank you. Whoever decided this needed to happen, (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Dairy-free products have gone so far in the last 20 years. (laughs) So 
we do that and it's just been profound honestly y'all it's been so so profound my body digests the food better like I I just said you know I eat gluten-free dairy-free things but sometimes I cheat sometimes I'm like that looks like a beautiful focaccia roll right (laughs) I'm just like and in the past I would eat it stomach would get really hard would get bloated couldn't really digest it but by me living my life as a ritual and just being thankful and just really pausing for one moment and realizing that I am so interconnected to the food, to these people, my body is able to take in the nutrients. My body is actually able to digest it better. And so lately I've been eating things that like, I'm like, I don't think, I don't think I normally would be able to eat this. (laughs) I'm like, uh, you know, I'm not sure. So it's not only like the local ingredients and the products and things like that, but it's also gratitude. And for me, putting gratitude and love into what I'm eating, it's almost like it increases the frequency of the food right? There'd have to be a science experiment somewhere, right? Where it's like by me putting my energy and awareness and consciousness into the food, does it actually respond back better, right? Who knows, right? I I would love to ask someone (laughs) in that realm if that can actually happen. If you're a person listening to this and you know that answer, please reach out, (laughs) send me a study. But I, I speak truthfully from my own places. I haven't done anything different, I'm just being in awareness and love and connection. And somehow there are foods that I've never been able to eat that I can digest without pain. It's it's pretty phenomenal stuff. So I hope you enjoyed this really sweet episode of living your life as a ritual. And if there's rituals that you love, please reach out to me, please. I love learning about how other people are making time and space in their regular days. It's so lovely if we have the time, like I said, and the space to be able to take these really sacred pauses or rituals, right, or retreats or whatever it is. But for the majority of us, it can be really difficult to either find the time or to give ourselves permission to find the time. So living our life as a ritual opening up to the bigger meanings in things. It's possible. It just takes a little bit of practice to know that these kind of things really support us. They support our nervous system and they give a lot of purpose and meaning to our existence. Thank you so much. As always, sending so much love. Thanks for joining us this week on Soul Essence Wellness Center's podcast. Make sure to visit Zandra's website, soulessencewellnesscenter.com to find more resources about how to transform your life. Zandra is available for private coaching, energy healings, psychic readings, and much more.